Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Prime Minister of Japan visited Ottawa on Thursday to ask Canada to export its liquefied natural gas to assist them with their energy transition. But Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the Japanese PM did not commit to any further projects. The Federal Court of Canada has granted Alberta intervener status in six ongoing lawsuits against the Liberal government's firearms ban. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem said in her first state address of the year that she is in talks with an unnamed Canadian family company that wants to relocate to her state because of Canada's strict pandemic response. Hello Canada, it's Friday, January 13th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Cosman Georgia. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida visited Canada for the first time as Japan's head of government. Kishida's visit was part of a tour of other G7 countries as Japan looks for ways to stop its reliance on Russian and Chinese fossil fuels. During a lunch event, Kishida told guests in Canada that LNG will play a crucial role in Japan's energy transition and that Canada's booming LNG export terminal is one way Ottawa can help. However, Trudeau and Kishida did not commit to any further LNG projects. When asked about exporting LNG to Japan, Justin Trudeau said, quote, we're going to continue to look for ways to be that reliable supplier of energy. Even as we do talk about things like LNG and other traditional sources of energy, we know the world is moving aggressively and meaningfully towards decarbonizing, towards diversifying, towards more renewables. Japan isn't the first country to come seeking Canada's oil and gas. Last year, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz visited Ottawa and asked Trudeau to supply Germany with clean energy as a solution to stop their reliance on Russian oil and gas. But at the time, Trudeau questioned if there was, quote, a business case to export LNG to Europe. Trudeau's critics later slammed him for a missed opportunity when Germany signed an LNG deal with the U.S. and Qatar weeks after Schultz's visit to Canada. Cosman, you wrote a story just yesterday for True North about a similar missed opportunity where the federal government could have gotten involved in further deals. Instead, something's happening in Europe. Tell us about that. That's right. So with the uh, federal government's wishy-washy attitude uh, in reaching these uh, natural gas agreements with other countries, we're seeing a situation where uh, the private sector could step in to fill this gap. So just yesterday, an Alberta-based company, Horizon Petroleum, announced its intentions to acquire a private European company um, to tap into significant undeveloped onshore energy reserves on the continent, particularly in Poland. This is a case where the government has failed uh, and there is a huge opportunity and the private sector is trying to fill that gap. One thing I find pretty interesting is Justin Trudeau always looking for an opportunity to preach about the just transition, 
the green energy transition, even when someone's there to meet with him to talk about LNG or to talk about, as he calls it, a more traditional method of all of this. I mean, it's quite remarkable that the meeting is about LNG, but he wants to just go on about transitioning away from all of that right in front of another world leader. Right. I mean, at least he didn't say that there's no business case. So in, in some ways, it's a sort of improvement for Justin Trudeau in this case. But you're right. He he always has to um, qualify the, these commitments, which would be a boom to the Canadian economy, but also help other economies with these, uh, you know, climate ideology uh, sort of statements. And Cosman, I know there's discussion about to what degree Canada actually can replace Russian oil and gas. To Justin Trudeau's point, some people are saying, well, there just isn't a case to doing all of this. But I know there is a new study showing that, yes, there is a viable path forward. Right. So there's uh, statistics based on uh, academic and energy sector uh, expert reports that show that within the next seven to 10 years, uh, if production and export of Canadian energy went up, we could... Uh, we could displace about half of Russia's energy exports. So this is this is quite a significant amount uh, for for the European continent. And this report concluded that with this increased emphasis on developing and exporting Canadian natural resources, we could offset fifty nine percent of Russia's annual nat natural gas exports and forty six percent of Russia's crude oil exports. And this was done by secondstreet.org, and they approached a variety of experts in the energy sector to fill out a survey and ask them uh, their perspective on this. Alberta will challenge the Trudeau government's firearms ban after the Federal Court of Canada granted Alberta intervener status in six ongoing lawsuits. This comes after Justice Minister and Attorney General Tyler Shandro announced that Alberta would seek to intervene in ongoing challenges of Ottawa's gun ban in September. The Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, the lead challenger, said Alberta has been leading this fight to ensure Ottawa respects property rights. CCFR spokesperson Tracy Wilson told True North, The CCFR welcomes Alberta to our core challenge against the gun ban. The Attorney General of Alberta has been steadfast in his support of licensed sports shooters and hunters. We welcome them to the national arena on this issue. In May 2020, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced he was banning more than 1,500 models of firearms, including AR-15s, through an order in council. He said owners of these guns would have a two-year amnesty period to come into compliance with the prohibition. The buyback program requires firearm owners to sell their guns to the government or have them rendered inoperable at federal expense. Under new amendments to Bill C-21, proposed legislation to codify the order in council, the prohibition now applies to over 1,800 firearms, including those primarily used by hunters, farmers, and sports shooters. So this is a very important issue for many Canadians. Why haven't other provinces followed in the footsteps of Alberta and joined this court case? Yeah, that's an interesting question, because while my friends in downtown Toronto may characterize uh, hunting and sport shooting as something almost singularly uh, an Alberta issue, a rural Alberta issue, the statistics are, are much more diversified. I know you have a number of numbers, Cosman, at your disposal in terms of just the, the scope and breadth of this whole industry here. Uh, you know, tell me about those numbers and how you think that will factor into the politics moving forward. 
Yeah, for sure. So statistics show there are 4 million gun owners in Canada. So it's surprising to me, at least, that other province are, other provinces aren't standing up for their law-abiding citizens. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. $8.5 billion per year goes into, uh, into gun ownership. So I, I definitely think politics are involved and uh, that might be the motivating factor for provinces like Ontario and Premier Doug Ford. In her first state address of the year, South Dakota Governor Christy Nome said she's in talks with an unnamed Canadian family-owned company that wants to relocate to her state because of Canada's strict pandemic response. Here's what that sounded like. We're in touch with a company in Canada that wants to move their business to the Black Hills. I can't share a lot of details with you yet, but we're very excited about this company. They are currently buying property that they haven't even seen in person. And this family and their business have suffered due to the COVID restrictions and vaccine mandates in Canada. Their daughter was even expelled from her university for refusing the vaccine. And as exclusively reported by True North in August, some Canadians have opted to attempt to claim asylum in the U.S. because they feared Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's heavy-handed COVID-19 response and the response of other provincial and municipal leaders across the country. Now, according to Buffalo immigration lawyer Matthew Colkin, he has filed at least half a dozen asylum applications for Canadian clients hoping to resettle in the U.S. permanently. Now, Cosman, I know you've written about this story, followed it in detail. The governor didn't offer too many specifics about all of this, hinting that there's discussion going on behind the scenes. And I guess she wants to be something of a trade ambassador in terms of encouraging this company to relocate. What more can you tell us about, about this coming to fruition? It's, a, it's an interesting little case study. So you're absolutely right. The governor was very careful to not mention the name of this company. And I'm sure that it's a very uh, sensitive issue and process to, to move to the United States right now, especially if you're uh, unvaccinated. So I'm, I'm not sure if, if, you know, South Dakota is, is trying to offer some avenue to, to, to um, expedite that, that relocation. This for us, True North, you know, we've been looking into this issue for a while. Uh, I've reached out to the uh, governor's office to try to determine some more details about this. So uh, it's just interesting to me. There's no, there's not a, a broader investigation into this. And Cosman, you've been following a lot of angles when it comes to Canadians and cross-border COVID issues. Some people really frustrated with what happened the past couple of years, definitely in regards to how it was deleterious to their business interests. Are you surprised by the number of Canadians who are going or the number of Canadians who aren't going across the border? Well, I, I think that the number of Canadians leaving Canada is definitely growing. And when we see the uh, emigration statistics come out uh, for the uh, for last year from Statistics Canada, I think that will uh, vindicate uh, what I'm saying. But on top of that, you know, we had Prime Minister Justin Trudeau meet with uh, U.S. President Joe Biden just during the summit, the Three Amigos Summit in Mexico City this last week. And it's curious to me that uh, this was never brought up. Why isn't the Canadian government lobbying the U.S. government to open up their border further? I mean, this is a, a, a crucial issue for both countries. We, we share one of the largest land borders in the world. And yet we're still restricting 
the passage of essentially millions of Canadians who, who ha- are not up to date on their full vaccination. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.